down the road and I was listening to a podcast of, you know, I'd listen to a preacher preach, you know, that's what preachers do on their day off is they listen to other preachers preach. <laughs> kind of like mailmen, you know, they take a walk on their day off. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, I was listening to him and he was talking about in, in Exodus 33 where people who had the desire now this is this is when Moses led the children of Israel out into the wilderness. They're out in the wilderness. They made the tabernacle. But when people desired to seek God, when people wanted to seek God, they would leave their house or leave their tent and go to the tabernacle of meeting. They would go. Now there was there was private worship they did in their homes and. And there were things that they they uh, stayed home for. But when they desired to seek the Lord, when they wanted a word from God, when they wanted a change in their life, when they wanted encouragement, when they wanted to be with the Father God, they would go to the tabernacle of meeting. And you know, this building is just an old bar. It's an old nightclub. It's an old honky-tonk. shows up in an old honky-tonk. He shows up. And I know that, that every one of you this morning, when you left your house, that you were expecting when you left. It's, it's, this is not just a Sunday morning deal. This is a God deal. You know that when you show up here, that God is here. He's in the house in the house and it's like it's like jumping in the deep end of the pool man you jump in there you gotta swim you gotta be intentional or you're gonna drown and that's what being in his presence is like you gotta be intentional or you're gonna drown you just gotta you gotta give yourself to him so God today we give ourselves to you God with with intentionality we left our homes and we came here to the house of the Lord not that this old honky-tonk is the house of the Lord, but when we intentionally seek you, you are there. Because your goodness runs after us as we run after you. Father, I thank you for your goodness this morning. I pray that every need is met, that every miracle uh, that anyone needs is happening, that it, 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 it meets them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Man, did you just feel that? Did you just feel that? That's the deep end. That's the deep end. You know, he uh, he told, God told an old prophet one time, he said, he said, here's the river. It's time to get in it. And so he says, get out there. Go, go to, get as deep as your ankles. Get ankle deep prophet did he said all right i think you're ready to go knee deep so he went knee deep he said all right i think you're ready to go waist deep so he went waist deep he said let's go chest deep he went in and then he said let's go head deep and as he got into that river he he stepped in or he swam in 
the presence, the fullness of what God had for you. Good morning, everyone. How's everybody today? Man, it's good to see you. It's good to be seen. Good to be in the house of God this morning. Uh, I love, uh, you know, um, <laughs> I think it, it, it was, as King David said, it, it is good when the Lord said unto me, let us go to the house of God. And, you know, I like I said, this is no honky-tonk. And I know that, that this wasn't built to be a church, but it sure works, doesn't it? But when God's here, when God's here, it is, it is just so fun to be in. So fun to be in this place. Amen? So, um, you know, I told you this several weeks ago, and if you were here, you heard it. If you, did, if you weren't here, where were you? <laughs> no. If you weren't here, uh, the, a lady came in just right after we bought this. And, and she came in, she's riding past on her motorcycle, and she came in, she sat down on the front row up here. And after church was over, she's in her leathers and all that kind of stuff, and she said, my dad built this place. And she said, when we were kids, when they were building it, we went around on the footers of the building and wrote scriptures in, in the footers. That was in 1963. And... and <laughs> And, and you know, that's been a long time ago. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it, you know, and, and it, took till, it took till 2009 for it to become a church. I mean, we heard stories that the Highway Patrol had their own parking places out here because they were being called here on a regular basis to break up um, all kinds of stuff. So... Um, I don't know if this stage had chicken wire around it, but I heard that there was, they needed it if they didn't. But uh, this is kind of a, this, this has some good memories and it has some not so good memories to it. So anyways, well, um, my name is Darren Gleghorn. I'm the lead pastor here and the founder of uh, Northern Colorado Cowboy Church. And, and me and my wife founded this church in 2000. And uh, it, it is for 20, almost 23 years, it's been a honor to get to be a part of your lives and to see you and your families come to the Lord and come and, and receive from what God has called us to do. And uh, it, it is such an honor to, to get to be here, to stand up in front of you on, on Sunday, any given Sunday and, and minister. And, and I thank you for coming. There's a, there's a lot of places you could be this morning, but you chose to be here. Amen. And, and and God's got something for you this morning. I know he does because he had me up till midnight putting together this message, so I hope it's good. I didn't get much sleep last night, but I got a little bit. So I'm running on donuts. I, I realized last night that I hadn't eaten dinner. 
because because the football game come on at 5:30. The Bedlam OU Sooners against the OSU Cowboys. Um, so a shirt to, for me to iron a shirt. This one here usually takes about 40 minutes. It took me the whole first half to iron this shirt. So uh, so it was, and, and then I forgot to eat dinner. And I realized that at midnight last night when my stomach said, hey, you forgot. And so I grabbed two Thursday morning donuts, heated them up in the microwave, got some milk, and I that's, that's what I'm running on this morning, all right? So... So get ready. It's going to be good. So, and, and probably I'm going to hurry up because I'm, I'm ready for lunch. Uh, and so I have compassion on you, on you all starving. Uh, Lynette and uh, Kirsty, who is our worship leader, are in California this morning. So I want to give a shout out to Merced uh, Kingdom Ranch Cowboy Church. And uh, you all better put a seatbelt on this morning because you're going to get preaching. So, um, anyways, she's, she's out there and, and that's why I'm eating donuts at midnight. She wouldn't let me do that, but, uh, I did. I did anyways. Amen. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, if you would go over to first Corinthians chapter 13, first Corinthians chapter 13. And, um, I want to take you on a little journey this morning and, and I hope it ministers to you and, um, when you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, this is a pretty um, common chapter, especially uh, the, the, the start of it. Most people have, this is called the love chapter, the love chapter. And, and most people have it on, you know, this, what you're going to uh, find common about it is most people have it like on a um, a decorative plate in their dining room or on a, uh, hot mat or a, a pot holder, you know, that somebody will have it on a pot holder. You'll see it on plaques, gifts, gift cards, cards. You'll see all this, this stuff. And people like this read at their wedding and things like that. And my deal is if you're going to read it at your wedding, you better do it. Yeah. You know, you better watch out because it's going to, it's going to challenge you to love your spouse a little bit better. But anyways, it's called the love chapter, and it's, it's famous for, for um, um, challenging every one of us to walk in a place of power. And, and we don't realize that. We just want love, but God is, is calling us to, to be empowered by love, his love, pure love, not just, not just regular love. It's, it's, this word is called agape, and agape, this word love, agape, is God's kind of love. It is not something that us humans can even describe. We just get in it with him and go. Amen? And so um, it's in, important to note that, that this, ver- this chapter is sandwiched within the, uh, the two verses or the two chapters, chapter 12 and chapter 14. And, and in that, chapter 12 is, talks about the gifts of the Spirit. That when we get the Holy Spirit and get empowered by the Holy Spirit, there are gifts that we have access to. And, and these gifts, there are nine gifts of the Spirit that are mentioned in, in chapter 12. There's the, a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, uh, the, uh, the power of faith, 
the, the, uh, the power of healing, the power of miracles, the power of prophecy, the gift of discernment, the gift of tongues, and the gift of interpretation of tongues. There's nine gifts there that we have access to when we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And, and so that is, that's chapter 12. And then in chapter 14, it talks about how to properly use those gifts in a public setting. Decently and in order is what it says. So there, there is an order or a, a proper way of ministering those gifts of the Spirit. And, and from, the, from telling you about the gifts of the Spirit to, um, to showing you the order of how it's to be used, there in the middle, he says, we've got to love. Love is the, is the empowerment of that. Love is what you've got to have to administer the gifts of the Spirit decently and in order. You got it? That's good stuff. I encourage you, go read it. Go read all three. It's a, it's a good sandwich to have. All right, chapter 12, and you got the meat in the middle, and then chapter 14. Amen. Amen. I was hoping I'd get a laugh out of that. It's a good sandwich. Amen. So... You're there, right? First Corinthians chapter 13. I want to take you to verse 8 is where I want to go. And I'm going to read this from the, um, from the, from the uh, Passion Translation. And, and the Apostle Paul is writing this here because he's having to set in order um, things that are uh, not in order. And so he's telling us how to do this. So uh, verse 8, chapter 13 says, Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It is more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after, love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Our present knowledge and our prophecies are but partial. But when love's perfection arrive, arrives, the partial will fade away. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters. For I saw things like a child and reasoned like a child. But the, but the day came when I matured and I set aside my childish ways. For now we see but a faint reflection uh, of riddles and mysteries as though reflected in a mirror. But one day we will see face to face. My understanding is incomplete now, but one day I will understand everything, just as everything about me has been fully understood. Until then, there are three things that must remain. Faith, hope, and love. Yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. Man. That is our life right there. That is our life. You know, those who have gone before us on into, on into the heavenly realm who have passed away have received up to this point. But I, I believe we're the generation. I believe that we are the church generation that will see things come to pass that he's talking about right here. As long as we continue to walk in faith, hope, and love, I think we're the, we're the generation that's going to be able to see 
those things come to pass. And to step into, um, you know, the fullness of the gifts of the Spirit, it's, it's not that they're going to fade away and have no power anymore. It's that we're going to step so deep into them that they are going to be such a part of us that they become normal. Prophecy is going to become normal. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge are going to become normal in the church. There's going to be people on the outside that's going, those people are weird. You know what? They're doing that anyway, so you might as well just get in it. Amen. But the thing about it is, the thing that I I begin to to look at um, over the last couple of days and think about is that the Bible and our Christianity, the Bible and our Christianity, a lot of times we look at it through a filter. We read the Bible through a filter. We, we view the Bible through the filter. We, hear, we come to church and hear words preached through a filter that's on the inside of us. And this, this filter is what I heard one preacher call an interpersonal relationship. An interpersonal relationship. Sometimes we hear the Bible, we view it, we hear it preached through an interpersonal relationship versus an intrapersonal relationship. Two different things, and I will explain them in just a minute. Just, just hear me out. Sometimes we hear this through an interpersonal relationship. And, and um, so to, to break that down just a little bit, the, the prefix inter. I-N-T-E-R, that, that prefix on the front of a word, it, it, it means between, between. Uh, a connecting between two or more things. Um, a good example is our interstate system here in America, interstate system. We've got I-25 that runs north and south, right? And we've got I-70 that runs east and west. I-25 connects three different states. It's, it's, it's an interstate. So it's one road connecting three different states, New Mexico, Colorado, Wyoming. Then I-70, and I'm not going to remember all the states once you go east, but I-70 connects 10 different states. It's one road that connects 10 different states. That's what the word or the prefix enter brings about to a, to a to a word okay you got that the word intra as a prefix means within within so if we got interstates we've also got intrastates 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 are state highways it's the it's a road system like our state highway system it connects different cities within a state Got that? It means within. It's, it, um, it literally means on the inside or within the borders and boundaries of one thing. So we've got our interstates and we've got our intrastates. So when I talk about an interpersonal relationship, the interpersonal relationship is a relationship between us and God or us and other people. As a Christian, you have an interpersonal relationship. 
That's how you get connected with God. That's how you get connected with people. That's how we see the Word of God sometimes. When we hear it preached, we heard it, we read it, we, uh, we um, you know, hear. Uh, that's the filter we use a lot of times. We, we read the Bible and we go, well, you know, this is how I relate to God. Amen? And it's good. It's a good thing. This is how I relate to people. That's, that's what it means by interpersonal relationship. Now, an intrapersonal relationship is one that we don't see very often, the one we don't use very often. An intrapersonal relationship is the relationship that goes on within us. We have an inner voice. And so sometimes we read the Bible and, and we, don't, we, don't, we, we don't use our inner voice to connect with ourselves. We use our inner voice to connect with God or connect with other people and, and try to grow that way. But there's a growth on the inside that sometimes we miss or we don't use enough, and that is to connect us as a Christian, as a believer, with ourselves. Does that make sense? Sometimes we just don't, we just don't go that deep. And, and that's what it takes is to go that deep. See, um, in, in 2017, uh, I, I was diagnosed by a doctor that said I had early onset Parkinson's disease. And, and from that day, I, I began this, I knew there was things going on in my, in my body and my brain and things that were happening. But, and that's why I went to a doctor. But when I got that diagnosis, I, I went to Thomaston, Georgia to go to a two-week um, uh, kind of a school type of deal for healing. I wanted, I wanted healing. I wanted God to heal me from this diagnosis that the doctor said I had. And so in 2017, I went down to uh, a, a guy named uh, Dr. Henry Wright. Dr. Henry Wright, we've got some of his books in the bookstore. Um, and he talks about the spiritual roots of uh, sickness, of, 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 of disease. And so that, that is his specialty, to talk about the, the, the spiritual roots of disease that we deal with as, as people, as Christians. And so in 2017, I went down there for a thing called For My Life, and, and I went through two weeks of, of training and, and seeing these things and uh, good preaching and stuff like that. Dr. Wright, one of the first things we learned on the first day of class is that man, because of original sin, the sin that Adam committed in the garden, you know, he, he was told not to eat of the tree of of uh, the knowledge of good and evil. But what did he do? He let his wife lead the family. <laughs> and she was deceived. She ate of the tree and she handed it to him and he ate too. You know, I always thought that Adam was somewhere working, doing something. You know, and she got deceived over here. No, it says, the, the Bible says that he was with her when she did it. He could have said, no, don't do that. But he didn't. I, I, you know, I would say that was pretty dumb. But then I look at myself and I'd go, I'm married to a strong woman. She must be right. 
But she ain't led me wrong yet, so I'm going to keep listening to her that I know of. But anyways, when, when Adam sinned, it brought, it brought three different levels of sin, three different levels of separation into the earth. Because, because Adam had a relationship with God, right? He had a relationship with his wife, and he had a relationship with himself. And when he sinned, it brought separation from God, separation from others, his wife, and separation from himself. To the point that he went and hid. To the point that he went to cover up because he realized he was naked. And so... This, this separation happened on three different levels. Separation from God, separation from others, and separation from ourselves. So that very thing is what we are all born into when we, when we are born into this earth, right? We're born into that separation. There is none, there is none uh, in a good relationship with God when they're born. There is no one on this earth that is. That's why the gospel of Jesus Christ, and, and there's a lot of stuff that goes into that, but that's why the gospel, when the gospel is preached to us, that's why it is so uh, important to us. That's why it's so important. That's, that's why uh, the gospel is what it is, because it reveals our separation from God, and it, and it brings about us knowing our need to be in relationship with him. Amen? And the only way you can get, Jesus said, there is no one that comes to the Father except through me. It's through his sacrifice. It's through him dying on the cross. That's what got us to God, right? That's what got us connected again. That's so important for us. That, that interpersonal relationship with God. It's interpersonal. Then... You know, for us to know that we need his forgiveness, right? But then when you're walking in this journey of a Christian, all of a sudden you're thrown into the mix with a lot of people. And a lot of people, when you're put into, let me just say it like this. When you're put into a room with one other person, somewhere down the line, you're going to disagree. Somewhere down the line, that person's going to hurt you and you're going to hurt them at some point because you're broken, right? And because they're broken, right? There is, a, there is that other piece of interpersonal relationship that when you are in relationship with God and you get his forgiveness, you get his forgiveness, now you're empowered to forgive them. When they hurt you, we must forgive. The Bible says if you don't forgive others, God can't forgive you. Interpersonal relationship that relies totally on our action, right? So to have interpersonal relationship with others, we, we take that forgiveness that we receive from him and now use it to forgive other people. Amen? But the most difficult that I have found, the most difficult level of relationship 
is this in, intrapersonal relationship because it is it is about seeing our need to forgive ourselves seeing our need to forgive ourselves um in 2014 i was invited to um to go down to dallas texas and be on a show on on a on a show called tbn have anybody ever seen tbn trinity broadcasting network I was invited to go down there and be on be on a show. It was it was cowboy night on Praise the Lord. And so me and and Justin Todd Herod and um, Pastor Mark Trice from a church down in Texas, Mike Lee, uh, another pastor from Conway, Arkansas. Uh, all of us were on there. You know, we're all cowboys in different parts of the country that are that got cowboy ministries, cowboy churches, whatever. And, and we were all um, there on set, and we just got to talk. And so the, uh, the, the, the man who was leading the thing, his name was Dwight Thompson. And Dwight Thompson was, he's kind of a charismatic fella. And, and he used to rub me the wrong way when I'd watch TBN. But now I'm on set with him, and i got to forgive him for rubbing me the wrong way, you know. Anyways, we're sitting there, and so the, the camera gets switched over to me, and, and Dwight Thompson says, well, Pastor Darren Gleghorn, tell us what is on your heart. Uh, I had just come out of a thing that, that I was, had been ministering, and I'd been ministering about us forgiving ourselves us loving ourselves and forgiving ourselves. And, and I'd never heard anybody preaching that before that we've, you know, I've heard, you know, we've got to have forgiveness from God. We got to forgive other people, but I had never heard that you got to forgive yourself. And so I, I, I had been preaching on that. God had given me some revelation on that and things. And, and so I began to talk about that. And, um, I think it's still out there in TV land somewhere. You can probably find it. Hear how intelligent I am back in 2014. I wasn't that intelligent. Um, but it, it was revelation. And so, um, you know, Jesus, Jesus was asked a question one time. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus was asked a question by a, a lawyer, somebody who knew the law of God. And he asked the question, you know, um, who, who is the greatest? Uh, what, what is the greatest thing that you can do? And Jesus says, you know, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You've heard that before, right? And then he says this. He says, the second thing, which is equal to the first, loving the Lord your God, he said, the second thing is to love your neighbor, love others, right, as you love yourself. So in order to love others, you've got to have a handle on how to love yourself. You, if you're going to love yourself, you've got to forgive yourself. And so that, that was my little revelation that I got. And so I, I said that, and, and they're on set. I'm, I'm with a, a seasoned minister. Dwight Thompson had been, at that point, been ministering for probably 40 or 50 years. And if I was wrong, he should have told me that right there. <laughs> I'm sitting there with other men that are my, that are my equal or, or mentor-type guys 
Um, Pastor Mark Trice's dad, Pastor Ronnie Trice, was, was my men- pastoral mentor until he went to heaven a few years ago. And, and so I'm, I'm saying, if I was wrong, Pastor Mark could have said, dude, r- really? You're dumb. You know, if, but nobody disagreed with me until I got home. And, and some kid on Facebook slammed me. He had been here to the church, and, and he had a little ministry all his own, and he was ministering on the streets and things like that. He was just a kid. He hadn't been saved. I know he hadn't been saved for two or three years. But he's out there getting after it. You know, thank God for him. Thank God for him, right? He's, people are getting saved and stuff like that. But he gets on social media on Facebook, and he slams me. And he says, you, you, you're talking that, forgive yourself, that's psycho, uh, psychologist babble, and, and you don't know what you're talking about. There's nowhere in the Bible that says you've got to forgive yourself. And he said, I, I come back, and I said, yeah, there is. I said, it's, it's, it's in the Bible, but you've got to go find it. And he says, tell me your exegesis study. I had to go look up what exegesis was. <laughs> so I found out it's just, you got to dig deep, you know. Tell me your biblical, where you get this biblically. And so, of course, I gave him the Matthew 22 thing, but also gave him this. In, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, I don't know why I'm telling you this. This is just for my sake, I guess. But in, in Exodus, I mean, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 the Apostle Paul writes, he says, And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So I gave him that, that scripture right there. It says, be kind to one another. When you look up the word, the, the Greek word for one another, it means to, to um, transfer that to someone else. Be kind to one another. So when we come in contact with other people, we're to be kind with one another. But then he says this. He gets down, he says, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. When you look that word, one another, up, it's not the same Greek word as the transfer between me and someone else. It, when you look that word up, it says yourself. You've got to dig. Why was it translated that way? I don't know. I don't know why. But when you dig and you find the Apostle Paul was saying, forgiving yourself, even as Christ forgave you. Because if he forgave us and we forgive ourselves, then we are empowered to be able to forgive other people. So as I fought with this guy on Facebook, I didn't realize I was supposed to forgive him. I mean, we went back and forth and I, I mean, I, I read him the right act. I said, dude... I said, I have been ministering the Word of God for 20 years. And you, some punk kid, I mean, I'm... Some punk kid, kid, you know, the street preacher, you don't even know. Because I gave him my exegesis, and he didn't... He still was bashing me, you know? And I got down to the point to where I just... I blocked him. 
I said, you know what? I'm losing my salvation over this. I'm going to block. I'm blocking him. And I blocked him. And I was mad. I was talking to Lynette about it. And she goes, you know what? You need to forgive him. I said, woman. I said, it was your kind that picked the fruit that got us into this. I didn't see her for three days. And then the swelling went down. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. She, she brought me back around. And you know what? After a few days and a little bit of cooling off, I, I didn't know how to unblock the kid. So, so I, I dug, dug around and I found where I could email him. And I emailed him and I told him, dude, I'm sorry. I said, I did this. We went back and forth publicly, and if I could get, to, if I could get back on publicly uh, with you and, and apologize to you, I would. I said, I forgive you for, for, you know, my part of hurting you, and you hurt, or my part of you hurting me, and I asked you to forgive me for hurting you. And I said, I didn't, I shouldn't have said those things. I was a punk kid, kid preacher, a street preacher at one time, too. And I said, I'm sorry. I am so sorry. And he texted me or emailed me back and he says, he said, I'm sorry too. You know, so we kind of buried the hatchet, even though we still disagreed. And, uh, man, why did I say all that? <clears throat> the, the, the thing about it is, is that we often utilize the Bible for ourselves as an interpersonal relationship with God. We read the Bible and we, we, we use it for ourselves. We use it between our relationship with us and God. And we use it with our uh, relationship with us and other people, right? And that's not wrong. But it's easy to miss and it's easy to overlook the intrapersonal relationship that God has provided through his word. So easy to miss. So easy to skate over the top of that. And... and um, here in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul is writing there. He's writing about love because love is the key road system. Hear me. Love is the key road system within. Okay? Within. That's intra. It, love is the key road system within the state of the Holy Spirit. When we get empowered by the Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit is everything to us, right? It's everything to us. And it, it, we operate within Him. And when we do that, it begins to build and grow us intrapersonal-wise. Amen? Does that make sense? So Tuesday, this last Tuesday, I was um, driving to uh, our our weekly staff meeting here at the church. And um, I was praying for a friend. I, one, of my, one of my good friends um, is having some issues with his son. And um, um, so I'm praying for them. I'm praying for the relationship. His son is, is 16 years old and has completely separated from his dad. And, and just, just rebelled and just... I mean, just don't want anything to do with his dad. And his dad is so good. His dad is such a cool dude. 
And I mean, if the kid knew who his dad was, if the kid really had a understanding of the goodness of who his dad is, that he wouldn't, he wouldn't go off the handle like he did. And so I'm praying, I'm praying for them and I'm praying for the relationship and I'm praying for, for God to bring them back together and, and things like that. And, and I heard on the inside, anybody ever heard on the inside of you? Uh, I heard on the inside of me as I'm driving down the road, what is the measure of a man? What is the measure of a man? And I'm thinking about this, this relationship that, that is going on. And, and as I begin to, to feel that and, and to, to think about that, uh, there was that thing on the inside of me again that says, how do we measure at which, uh, how do we measure at which a boy becomes a man? So I started running things through my mind. What, what is it that measures a, a man? What, what, what transitions a boy into a man? Is it puberty? Some people think so. Is it, is it that place where that boy um, sees a girl that used to have cooties but now uh, is, is, whoa. You know, that's, that's how a woman got her, got her identity. Is that when God presented Eve to Adam, he said, whoa, man. And it stuck. Whoa, man. So is it that place where a boy, you know, all of a sudden discovers um, this adrenaline rush of, of, of a girl? Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about that. I'm asking these questions. Is it, is it a boy's ability to argue with his father and mother that, that makes him a man? See, in, in Jewish culture, there is a thing for Jewish boys when they turn 13 years old called a bar mitzvah. You heard of that? Bar mitzvah. And the bar mitzvah is that, that for 13 years, that boy's actions, his, his, all of the actions, right or wrong or indifferent, uh, when he does something stupid, it, the responsibility falls upon his father. When he does something great, the praise falls upon his father. But when he turns 13 and goes through bar mitzvah, he has to... Uh, to um, memorize and identify with the law of God. And so he, at at Bar Mitzvah, he uh, recognizes and identifies himself separating from his father and joining himself with the father, God, and his word. And and when he does that, he... um, he recognizes that he, as an individual, will be with the rituals of the law, the traditions of the law, and the, the ethics of the law, that he'll abide by those things. He begins to take responsibility for himself, which completely separates him from his father's responsibility. Now, he is a, uh, a part of the Jewish community as an individual. That is the day his dad goes, I don't have to put up with him no more. You know, with his actions, when he screws up, the community gets him, not me. I'm a man. 13 years old. Can you imagine a kid stepping up 13 years old? I'm a man. Yeah, you are. We'll see what the community thinks about that. 
There was a time that I made the decision, personally, I made the decision that I was smarter than my dad. I mean, my dad raised me, and uh, uh, he's gone to heaven now, but uh, in 2020 he went to heaven. And I'll just say this, and I'm not bashing on my dad. My dad was a good man, but my dad didn't show us or me a whole lot of attention because he, and he, he did the best he could. But he started a business in 1968, the same year that I was born. He started a business and was growing a business, a paint and body shop business, which if you've been around paint and body men, they can be crude. You know, it's like, you know, you go into a paint and body shop and, and some people will go, hey, don't talk that way. There's truck drivers in here. <laughs> you know, it, it can be pretty crude, crude world. But my dad, you know, he did the best he could with, with me and my brother. My brother worked in the shop. He, he's an older brother. And, but I didn't. And, and so my dad did the best he could. But there came a point at which I thought, I believed, and I, I think this happens across the board, that, that I was smarter than he was. I mean, he'd lived some life. But, but I thought I was smarter than he was. And at 54 years old, me, now, this week, I turned 54 on Wednesday. Uh, you see how I snuck that in there? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the $100 will be in the envelope out there. Um, but at, at 54 years old, I'm still discovering, even after my dad's been... Uh, in heaven for a couple of years, even, even though that, I'm still finding that my dad was smart. He was wise. And I was the dummy. And I'm learning. I'm learning that, you know, how, how smart my dad really was. And, and um, for me, that was my reality of a measure of a man is me discovering how smart he, uh, he is, how smart he was. And, and he did the best he could. And, and he was not wrong. Even, even when he was wrong, he was not wrong. You get that? He was a smart guy. Because, not because he was so smart, but it's because I am discovering the depth of my immaturity and the need to be mature. And the only way that you can discover your, you can go from immaturity to maturity, the only way that you can do that is through an intrapersonal relationship with God and ourselves and others. Because that, that interpersonal is great, but when we move it into an intrapersonal to benefit who we are, to benefit who God made you to be. When, when you discover that, things begin to change. <clears throat> so that, that, that was my introduction to the message today. <laughs> because, because my purpose today is not to um, 
is, is not to find the measure of a man, gender man, but to find the measure of a Christian. What is the measure of a Christian? I told you all of that to tell you that. What is the measure of a Christian? It's whether you're male or female, it doesn't matter. It's the Christianity part of things. It's, it's the relationship with God part of things. So as Christians, when we're reading the Bible and, and we begin to step over into the interpersonal uh, place, what we find is maturity begins to rise and immaturity begins to deplete. See, immaturity and maturity can't reside together. One's got to rise and one's got to fall. Which one do you want? And as, as, um, as human beings, when we discover God, when we discover the gospel, we discover that Jesus died on the cross for us, the Bible says that's when we're born again. And even though we have this, this uh, civilian life, when we come to God and get born again, all of a sudden we become spiritual reborn, Right? We become born again. We become a different creature. That's why the Bible says that that when you're born again, you are a new creation. Hello? You are a new creation. That's why people think you're weird. It's because you're a new creature. You're a born again creature. You're a Christ creature. Amen? And so... um, when I was reading this here in 1 Corinthians 13, one verse stood out to me. It stood out. Verse 11 stands out. This is what verse 11 says here in the, in the Passion Translation. It says, When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters. For I saw things like a child, I saw things like a child, and I reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured, and I set aside my childish ways. This is the Apostle Paul talking this, talking this scripture here. And, and like our interpersonal relationship heals our separation from God and others, our intrapersonal relationship as well heals uh, ourselves with us. And when we step into that interpersonal relationship, what we find is that we begin to evolve and grow as God's word becomes reality to us. Amen. Evolving and growing requires us to to repent and do better. Amen. And so, um, when I was looking at the scripture, I looked at it here in the Passion, but I looked at it from the the New King James Version as well. And this is what it reads in the New King James Version, First Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse eleven. It says, "The Apostle Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child.'" And I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. See, the Apostle Paul here was pointing out that um, there, there are these uh, places that prove our immaturity. He says it's like a child. He says, you know, he's not the child. Children are bad. It's that they are developing. They are growing into this person that God has called them to be. And he says here, uh, you know, when, when I set, when, when I discovered God's word and, and when I realized what God wanted me to do, I had to develop some things 
and put away childish things and step over into some mature things. And, and he pointed out three different things here that I, I really want to uh, uh, dig into for a minute. Number one, he said, when I, um, he said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. Um, that, that word there, he says, I spoke as a child. I spoke as a child. When, when we're immature, we speak immaturely. Uh, you know, the, the, the thoughts and the intents of who we are come out through our mouth. I love what one man said. He said, there's, a, there's an 18-inch journey, and that journey is from our heart to our head. It's an 18-inch journey, and, and in between there's an outlet. So if we're thinking from here and we're trying to get it into our heart, it usually comes out of our mouth, and that's immature. But it's when we get to our heart thing and it starts to make the journey to our head and it comes out of our mouth. That's, that's where maturity starts happening. He said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. Have you, have you ever been somewhere with your child? Maybe if you've got a kid and, and they're a toddler. And you know, home, home, there's freedom. But you get in public and all of a sudden you realize, I hope that my kid don't say something that don't need to be said. Because they have no filter. I remember, I remember we were in McDonald's one time. And, and Riata, my, my daughter, she just... She's just learning how to talk. And, and uh, we're standing there, we're looking, and I said, Riata, what do you want? And she goes, Dad. I said, what? She goes, I farted. <laughs> oh, God. I jerked a knot in her, and I said, we don't say that in public. And Lynette goes, you do. <laughs> do you remember that fruit thing, woman? Anyway, that, that panic hits you. You know, when you got a little one, you just, you just never know what they're going to say, man. And it's probably something you said. It was for me. So we do the same with God. When we're first born again, we're kids, man. We're just babies. And we're learning these things and, and growing in these things. Um, you know, the Bible says that faith, when, when, you, when you have faith, Faith is recognized by this, speaking-wise. Faith is recognized by this. It calls those things which be not as though they were. That's Romans 4, 17. Calls those things which be not as though they were. That's how we are supposed to speak. But when we're immature, we call those things that are, or call those things which be, as though they are, right? I mean, we, we don't, we don't, a lot of times we don't speak faith. We speak the way it is. And then we wonder why we ain't getting something God, from God to counteract that, you know? Uh, one of the things, um, one of the things that I did when the doctor gave me the diagnosis is I told Lynette on the way home, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to process all this stuff, you know, and, and I told her, I said, There's, here's one thing that I'm going to do. I don't know how to walk through this right now. I don't know how to walk this journey. But the one thing that I'm going to do is I am not going to take ownership of Parkinson's disease. I am not taking ownership. It is not my disease. 
Somebody steps up and says, how long have you had your Parkinson's? I don't, I don't have Parkinson's. I mean, I'm not in denial because I know what's trying to pin me down. But I'm not, I'm not taking ownership of it. It's not mine. It is something that the enemy's trying to do, something that the enemy's put on me. Is my body reacting? Yes, my body's reacting. My brain's reacting. But it's not mine. Amen. It is not mine. Amen. Jesus took that when he's on the cross. And I don't want to tell you, if you, don't, if, if you don't believe me in that, then I ain't going to get into that. <laughs> if, you, if, if you don't believe me in that, I'll give you this kid's email address. <laughs> you can talk it over with him. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not sorry about that at all. <clears throat> so we gotta, you, what we speak is we call those things which... Uh, which be not as though they were. Amen? Amen. The, the second thing uh, here that the Apostle Paul said was he said, when I was a child, I understood as a child. The word understood there means to be of the same mind or be of the same opinion. Now, if you want to align your opinion as a grown-up with a four-year-old, that is completely up to you. I mean, sometimes that's pretty fun, you know, Bugs Bunny and all that kind of stuff. But if you want to line your opinion up with them, that's fine with me. But the fact of the matter is that God says, as you mature, you've got to have them line up with you. You're the adult here. You're the one with the developed brain. They haven't developed their brain. They're just developing their brain, you know, and it's up to us to help them develop that brain. Amen. And, and so... Uh, their their brain and their mind, their thought, their direction, their um, how-to is still being developed. And their line of thinking is limited to their reality. Amen? So he said, I understood as a child. I've got to understand differently than a child. I have to grow up and, and understand things uh, differently. Because immature... Uh, immaturity in adults is the same thing uh, as as immaturity in a child because uh, we a lot of times as an adult when we're immature we will react to situations in criticism in judgment and in fear and God is saying look that's that's immature that's childish you you've got to you you've got to um, allow this intra personal relationship to begin to develop you into a mature person that does not judge others, that does not criticize the moment, and does not fear that something bad is going to happen. Amen? And the third thing that the Apostle Paul said, when I was a child, I thought as a child. The, the word thought is different than understand. The word thought is the ability to reason or, an, or account for, uh, for what you're dealing with. The ability to reason or account for that. Um, it, it literally, when you, when you look this up, this word up in the Greek, it literally means that someone's thought is their reality. The, the, their reality is as the way they see it at the moment. Their reality trumps everything. 
their reality trumps your faith. And he says that you don't need to think that way. You need to think in faith. You need to allow God's thoughts, God's way, God's mind, God's direction in faith to override the reality in which you see or the reality which you're in in order to get a heavenly mindset about that. That's the thought that he wants us to have. That's the thought that brings maturity into our lives. Amen? That's what it's all about. See, when somebody sees from, from their reality, the, the, the immaturity that sets their reality is based on presumption, speculation, and supposition. They just suppose. They just suppose. Or they presume. That's the reality. And, and Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And if our reality is not God's reality set in our heart, as, as a man's heart is, that's the way he thinks. I mean, it's an 18-inch journey. And if we don't have our heart right with the Word of God, through an interpersonal relationship with the Word of God and ourselves, then, then we, we think all kinds of stupid things. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Are we mature or are we immature? How we think will either limit or launch us into the future. If we think small, it limits us to our current reality. If we think big, it launches us past our current reality into the place where God wants you to be. Amen. 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 Y'all getting anything from this today? I'm almost done. I'm almost done. So when the Apostle Paul said that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, New King James, he says, I put away, you know, as a child, I spoke as a child, I thought, I understood as a child. Then he says this, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. What he's saying there, he says, intentionally, I put away immaturity. I saw immaturity for what it was. The, the word put away means, definitively, it means to terminate association with. He terminated association with the childish ways. He says, I put them away. I put them away. A lot of times that word means divorce. I divorced the childish ways. He says, when I became a man. What you got to understand is the Apostle Paul didn't look up one day and say, you know, I put thee away. I realize that I'm immature, so I put thee away. And today I'm a man. That's, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is he says, the process of transition and transformation into maturity takes time. It took him time. A lot of times we read the Bible and we think the Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul had it going on. The Apostle Paul was, you know, he wasn't one of the original apostles or disciples. He came along later, but he, you know, he's, he's this cool dude that is smart. And just all of a sudden one day he shows up on the scene and says, I'm the Apostle Paul. 
I'm smart. I'm writing all these letters that are wisdom. No, it didn't. He didn't put away the immature things that day or in one day. It took him years of interpersonal relationship, partnering with God and partnering with a man named Barnabas, who was his mentor. Took him years. Galatians chapter 2, verse 1 from the Passion Translation says this. Uh, I got to get there. Oh, no. Oh, here it is. I, I wrote it down. Galatians chapter 2, verse 1 from the Passion Translation. I can just read it from the screen because I gave him that. 14 years later, 14 years later, I returned to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas and Titus, my co workers. So he's having this interpersonal relationship. For 14 years, from the time he got knocked off his horse or his donkey, whatever you want to call it, when he met Jesus to the time he was killing Christians here, meets Jesus, gets born again, and 14 years later, 14 years. How long have you been on this journey? 14 years. The process allowing his intrapersonal relationship with himself took 14 years. It took him 14 years to transition or transform into a mature man. Galatians 2, verse 2, he says, God had given me a clear revelation to go and confer with the other apostles concerning the message of grace that I was preaching to the non-Jewish people. I spoke privately with those who were viewed as senior leaders of the church. I wanted to make certain that my labor and ministry for the Messiah had not been based upon false understanding of the gospel. He said, I wanted to make sure that what I was preaching was right. 14 years. I, I mean, I remember two or three years in the ministry preaching like I knew everything. I knew nothing. I thought I was mature. I remember three years into this church, from 2000 to 2003, I preached everything I knew about faith. Twice. And I was starting on a third one, and I was starting to question myself. You know what I said? This is how stupid I was. I said to God, I said, God, I've already preached everything you've ever wrote. I've already preached everything the Apostle Paul wrote. Is there any more? That's either a stupid statement or the release for God to do something. And you know what he did? Something. He showed me just how stupid I was. And, and doing that, he didn't tell me I was stupid. He just took me to the Word and began to open up things that I had never seen before. That's what Paul said. He said, in this 14-year journey, I had a revelation. I had a revelation. And the revelation that I had was from God, and I wanted to go ask the senior leaders of the church if I had the right revelation and I was doing things right. He didn't just jump out there and say, well, I had a revelation, I'm right. Y'all can step off. He didn't say that. He said, I want to know if I'm doing the right thing. His, his maturity rose. His immaturity depleted. 
That's the measure. That's the measure of a Christian. That's what we got to do. We've got to understand we're not there. We haven't arrived yet. And probably your whole journey, my whole journey, I'm still, I still do stupid things. And I look in the mirror and say, how can you be such a baby? How can you be? I mean, this journey that I'm on, I'm discovering something new every day. Every day. Did God do that to you? No, he didn't do it to me. But he's showing me something through it. Amen. What the Apostle Paul saw there was, was maturity. Submitting to the authority that God had chosen, uh, or the, the authority of God and his chosen mentors. God's chosen mentors. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says, And he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Five different offices within the church that are the, are, are, are the um, places that show us how to be mature, how to walk in maturity, and how to deplete an immaturity. Allowing our interpersonal relationship with ourselves to always be evolving and always be growing. Always. Till the day you die or till the day you step over into eternity. Here, there, or in the air. You know, I heard some people say. Interpersonal relationship calls us out of immaturity and sets us up for the mature. The process requires you to accept what makes you, you. Does that make sense? I mean, it's that process. It's the process that makes you determine who you are to be you and what God has called you to. It determines our transition from immaturity to maturity. The measure of a Christian is never automatic. It's never immediate. We must always deal with and trust the process. You've got to trust the process. If you, if you, if you've got to remind yourself of that, go get a tattoo like my son did. It says, trust the process. Stand up and show him. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> He's got it there on his chest. It says, it says trust the process. That's him, him and his buddy's deal. I mean, you got to trust the process. God wants to take you somewhere, and you got to trust that process. Feeding the good, starving the bad. Feeding the good, starving the bad. Amen. All the while, you're transitioning, you're transforming you to be you that God called you to be. Amen? To be the you that God called you to be. Here's what I want you to remember, and this is the last thing I say. Son, you can come on up and show me your tattoo. No, you can come on up and play. This is what I want you to remember. You got to remember that when you're in the process, God will never abandon you. Some of you may have had parents that abandoned you. Some of you may have had, you know, 
parents that didn't uh, just uh, abandon you in a in a negative way, but maybe they transitioned into heaven. Maybe they maybe they died before you were ready for them to die. But God's never going to abandon you. He's never going to quit the process. No matter how bad you are, no matter how goofy you get, no matter how immature that you haven't worked through yet, no matter if you think that you've done the worst of the worst, God will never abandon you. He is for you. He's not against you. You can't do anything bad enough. You know why? Because Jesus already did. Jesus already bore that. And here's what I'm going to tell you. If you've never entered in... Is it turned on? Okay, there we go. I was wanting a little accompaniment there. I thought I was making some... I thought I was making some good statements. I don't even know what I'm saying. Oh, uh, Jesus has took it all. When he... When he was in that garden praying to God, saying, God, if you can take this away from me, all the bad stuff, all the weight of the future generation's sin that is, that is weighing on me, he was beginning to sweat blood. The, 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 the blood vessels in his pores begin to burst because he's carrying so much weight and stress because of us, because of our ways, our immaturity, our sin. And he said, God, if there's any way, three times, he said, God, if there's any way for you to remove this from me, do it. But, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And at the end of that, they arrested him, they beat him. He went through a process that day. Never asked him to come into your life. You've never, you've 
never entered into relationship with him. There is so much good that comes out of that. Saying yes to him will end the immaturity in your life and begin the process of maturity that you need. I want to invite you, if you've never said yes to Jesus this morning, I want to say this. It's not about a prayer that you pray. It's not about an aisle that you walk. It's not about a hand that you raise. That stuff's all well and good. But this morning, the definitive is saying yes to him when he died on the cross for you. He asked every disciple, will you come and follow me? And their answer was yes. So I'm asking you today, will you come and follow him? Will you be a disciple of Jesus today? If you've never entered into that and you want to be a disciple of Jesus, just say yes. If you want to renew that with him, maybe you ain't been walking where you should be walking. If you want to say yes to him, brand new today, say yes. And trust the process. Father, I thank you for these that are saying yes to you today. I thank you, God, that you have given them the, the, uh, the pleasure and the responsibility of being a disciple of you, Jesus. I pray in Jesus' name that today those that are saying yes, those that are re-saying yes to you, step into a different place than they've been in a long time. I thank you for our maturity. I thank you for the transition, the transformation of our immaturity into mature believers and that we trust your process. The measure of a Christian 